listening to Community Voices on NPR Illinois. I'm Vanessa Ferguson, and today we are getting to know our neighbor, Randy Irwin. Hi, Randy. How are you doing? Hi, Vanessa. I'm doing well. How about you? I'm really good now that you're here because you have a lot of things that have happened in your life that I'm really excited to talk to you about. You're also called Cowboy Randy, which is a lot of fun. So maybe we should start with where are you from? I read that you're not originally from here. Yeah, I was born on the Gulf Coast near Houston, basically. It's about 90 miles south of there. It's a place called Ganado, Texas. It's a little tiny little place. I love that. You're a Texan. Yeah, yeah tiny, yes. Tiny <laughs> Texan. So how did you make your way up to central Illinois in Springfield? Well, first I moved to Dallas and got a job doing radio and television and stuff like that and recording. And then I moved to Alaska for a while. And then I moved back down to back to Texas. And then my ex-wife, Dusty Rhodes, who used to be a reporter here, got a job at the Illinois Times. So we moved up here and I've been here 20 years now. Yeah. Well, you are really talented. I've been enjoying listening to your music. Oh, well, you, you're very kind. Well, I'm telling the truth. So you play guitar. From what I've seen, you play guitar. Yeah. You sing. You're known for yodeling. It's like... <laughs> I kind of want to get into, uh, you know, how you kind of embraced music in the first place. What inspired you to pick up a guitar and start singing? Well, first I started on piano when I was five. I um, saw a piano. I liked the piano. and I demanded a piano from my parents. And they said, well, you're five. And I said, well, I'll just scream until you get me a piano. <laughs> and so I, they got me a piano. And then I, I learned uh, I learned a couple of just, just on my own. I just started courting and stuff. And they said, well, I guess you could have lessons too. And so that started it. And then I was in a polka band when I was 12. So I turned pro when I was 12 and then started studying to do multi-track recording for film and video and, and radio at the University of Texas and, and got a degree in that. Worked in radio and then decided, no, radio is not for me. I'm tired of writing copy and I'll just uh, go to Dallas and start playing music full time. And so I turned pro at 12. So it's been 53 years. Okay, but uh, but you started with piano. You played yeah. polka. You yeah, oh, the trumpet. Yeah, and, I was playing and, trumpet. And you played trumpet. Yeah. Oh, and then I played. I played. Sorry, I played accordion in the Gypsy Jazz Band for a long time. So. Wow, and accordion. And okay, accordion. so yeah. my, what I'm getting at here is <laughs> all of these things are not what I think of when I think of being a yodeling expert and oh. and singing kind of those old country western tunes. Oh, so yeah. so how did you get into that genre? Oh, the technique is 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 something that you find world wide. You find it in Africa and Asia and Europe and the Americas. And it's just a falsetto, switching between your falsetto and your chest voice, making that little tube of air resonate at a higher frequency. And you alternate back and forth. And if you have a good uh, relative pitch, or even if some of them have perfect pitch, I have like a rudimentary perfect pitch. Mostly yodelers and that type of voice, they have a, a strong baritone and a really strong soprano, or you ever have a strong alto and a really strong coloratura soprano. So you get those two two types of voices and there's a big break in between. So you can never be a, an operatic singer, but you can 
You can yodel if you want to. But you've been paid to yodel. So yeah. so did someone just come to you and say, hey, I'll, I'll give you some money if you no. yodel? Or, no. or how did you get no, into doing it? No, it's been a struggle. <laughs> it's been a struggle <laughs> because, you know, because it's not in high demand these days. But, no, I started doing a cowboy act. I would trick rope. I learned how to taught myself to trick rope. And then I would do kids gigs. I would trick rope and tell cowboy stories. And then that's how Cowboy Randy came into being that guy. And yodeling Roy Rogers and Gene Autry, old-time cowboy songs from movies and stuff like that. And then I started getting into more obscure stuff that was the jazz of the 20s and 30s and 40s, Western swing and vaudeville stuff. And Everybody in those genres, they used that technique as well. They used it kind of like a jazz scat thing, so I could transition to that. I'm kind of taken aback by this because when I was reading about you, I know you're a yodeler. I, you have an act called Cowboy Randy. You're from Texas. Yeah. So I, I expect you to come in here being kind of a cowboy. And a te- How much of Cowboy Randy is actually reflective of who you are as a person? Well, I grew up on a farm. We had cows and, yeah. and, <laughs> and we had sorghum and we had rice and we had corn. And, mm-hmm. and we just I just grew up as a farm boy and I would go out to visit people in West Texas. And, you know, Texas, it's it's all about country, Western. So let's say that's 20 percent of me. And the uh-huh. rest of it was like I was obsessed with Beethoven from the year, age of four. So I listened to nothing but Beethoven over and over and over and over again until I was like maybe 11 or 12. So steeped in Bach, Beethoven, Mozart and all that. So that's about 80% of what I am. But it translates really well into just modern pop music. This is fascinating to me because I also grew up on a kind of an animal farm in the middle of nowhere. And go. and I didn't really associate myself with anything really country or western. I was kind of wanting to be a, a funny right. comic. <laughs> you know, I... I, I I, I really, I didn't think of myself. I mean, it was a, it's a good act to have, you know, Cowboy Randy. Yeah. It's a good thing to have, and, and, and it's, it makes a nice website, which is CowboyRandy.com, yay. And, and it's easy <laughs> to remember, and I can load all my stuff up, whether it's classical or, or, or pop or, or a remakes of old traditional music of different kinds that I've been doing lately. You're just an all-around musician. At- well, just an odd, just an odd person. Oh, <laughs> I got beat. I got beat up a lot. Oh no! Oh well, you know, you know. Well, we'll show them now because I'm going to bring up something that is like the coolest thing. I had a smart mouth. I deserved it. Oh, okay. Well, well, if you deserved it, but no. (laughs) So let's talk about something that I am so impressed by, and I really admire you for. You got to work with the Walt Disney Films to do the movie, animated movie, Home on the Range. Can you tell us about that experience and, and getting to work with production staff? Yeah, well, they ran through five or six guys. They needed a, vo- needed a male voice that could do that kind of vocal. And they're like, one, one was too European, and one was too Western, and one was too this, one was too that. And then he was too low, and he was just too light. And, he, and they finally got to me, and they're like, <laughs> I was like the last one in line. And so they sent me the... <laughs> <laughs> they sent me the score, and I, I sat down with that score, and I studied it for about a month, a month and a half, and I just did that every day for four or five days, hours a day. And finally, and I went to do the initial audition, but they you know they were desperate by that time. They, and they said, oh, man, you just went in and did it. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, it's, it's easy. I was just I, I didn't, 
been on my spit like a month going over this thing and tearing it apart. So I got the gig, and you show up there, and everybody's, you know, Alan Menken and all the production crew and all the all the guys, the bean counters are in the back, and they're making sure everything's going okay. The arranger's there, and they stick you in a little booth, and you may say, all right, there's a 75-piece orchestra going to be playing behind you. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's the first time. And <laughs> so, I, so I just, like, sang my little heart out and I actually got Alan Menken to stand up from the um, control booth and he started dancing around because he thought nobody could ever finally get that particular thing because it's a mixture it was a mixture of jazz and blues and kind of like wild sound they call it when you do it on a soundtrack it's just like strange vocalizations and kind of alpine yodeling stuff and so he was just like oh finally finally somebody could do this <laughs> thing and I'm like yeah and that's the only thing I know how to do and I'll never see you guys again because Disney will pick from, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of vocalists all over the world. They're just like, you can specifically do this one thing, and you're so good at it, and do that, and see you again in the next lifetime. I mean, I went and redid it in Canada for 33 languages, because yodeling is... The universal oh, right, language. Right, when they have to release the, the With, film, they have to redo it in different yeah. languages. And just thousands of voice people, well, at least several hundreds of voice people and vocalists came in and, and filled in all the rest of the foreign stuff, and they were all really good. So they'd meld me in with all these really good vocalists and sound and uh, voice actors, and it's just amazing that they have this deep pool of talent that they can just dip into. When it comes to players, they can just come in and sight read it, just just like, here's the score. And they just lay it down. It's so impressive. And then the vocalists come in and, you know, two or three takes, they're done, you know. So... Wow, and so, you're one of them. I, you know, I can do that one thing, and, <laughs> I'm, and I'm I'm happy I can do that one thing. Yeah, and it paid for most of my house. And oh, that's good. Yeah, so. <laughs> Wow, what an incredible experience. And getting to work with Alan Menken. I, a I, genius. I got okay. to meet him once, and he was a delight. No, he's, he's, a, he's a big Beethoven freak, too. We, really? We bonded on that. I said, oh, man, I like your stuff. It's just like I, I listen to Beethoven all the time. He's like, oh, yeah, Beethoven, he's the guy. He's the guy that invented <laughs> modern music. I'm like, yeah, he and, he and Satchmo, yeah, they all, you know, it's all the same thing. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. So, <laughs> and for those who maybe don't know Alan Menken, Alan. he is uh, responsible for Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast and Little Shop of Horrors oh, and yeah. uh, the Newsies yeah. and just it goes on and on and yeah. on. Yeah, he's a genius of the highest order. Yeah, absolutely. And you got to work with him. Wow. Super jealous right here. <laughs> well, it was fun. It was lots of fun. Well, that is awesome. You know, another thing I'm, I'm a bit envious about is that I read that you got to perform at Carnegie Hall. Can you tell me about yeah, that? Yeah, I was with a, a group called Cafe Noir, and we used to do uh, gypsy jazz and new classical type stuff and arrangements. And we were with Columbia Artists for a while, which is the biggest classical music agency in the world and they had a little segment that would take you touring around the United States so we did that and before we did that there was a, a showcase at the a recital hall so I'm like oh my god you, you, Carnegie Hall and how do you get to Carnegie Hall we practice practice practice, practice. No, practice no no there's a subway stop right below oh Carnegie okay hall. <laughs> 
and you, you get off the subway, you go up inside Carnegie Hall, and there's a, the big hall, which <laughs> we ran around. We ran around the top. The poor guards, we were like, oh, we went to the top, and we're like, whisper on stage. And then, then I go down, and I whisper on stage. I can hear you from the bottom of the big – yeah, we like went all over, and they're wow. like, would you please stop running around the <laughs> facility? And the, so we went to the recital hall, which is nice. It's like a 500-seat, 400-seat smaller venue and that's my claim is is i got to go in and do a solo at the recital hall at carnegie hall nobody could ever take that away from me but i was uh, playing small venues in dallas at that time and I'm like ah oh, just randy showing up at, at the whatever venue we were playing little blue clubs and stuff and we played carnegie hall then i came back and, and they're like did I actually play Carnegie Hall? <laughs> was this a dream? <laughs> it was surreal. And and the Carnegie Deli is next door, and that was so much fun. You just go across the street and get a great big Reuben sandwich. and It was real New York. I was going to say, this sounds like a, a New York artist's dream come true. Yeah, it really was. It was so amazing. You also played Queen Elizabeth Hall? Queen Elizabeth Hall, yeah, you're right. right in, in the UK? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're performing career has taken you all over the world. Yeah, I'm pretty can so. you Can you tell us about that? Yeah, we did a, a tour of, of the UK. That was many years ago. And a lot of it, it was a festival there on the, on the West Bank. And uh, Queen Elizabeth is like a 600-seat medium size. It's really nice. And went in there and they had three or four acts and Lyle Lovett came up and then I was right after him and I did my <laughs> did my thing and then Wembley Arena they had a festival there so I got to follow Willie Nelson there and, and then BBC oh I got to do a, a segment with Kylie Minogue one no time. Yeah, you did yeah. not yeah she was about she's about four feet tall and uh, me and my uh, guitar player got to do a segment behind her and, and he, of course he fell in love with, with her I mean and, how could you not well and then Bananarama came up and that was that was BBC thing. So I got to do a tour of South Korea. They had a yodeling festival out there. In South Korea? In South Korea. The big, hmm. big time yodeling alpine. Yeah, you wouldn't Who would think. have thought? That's yeah. Never, I'd never dreamed. And they and they said, oh, you got to come over and we'll do, do that. So we did a couple of weeks there. That was like five or six years ago. And, you know, I don't know. We played L.A. a lot. We played New York a lot. Wow. So. Wow. If you're just joining us, this is Community Voices on NPR Illinois. I'm Vanessa Ferguson, and we're getting to know our neighbor, Randy Irwin. And I should mention, too, Randy, you've performed on the BBC, yeah. NPR. We already mentioned Walt Disney Films. I read Warner Brothers as well, something you've done some work with. Do you want to tell us about that? David Byrne, I worked with him on, well, it was a cameo, really, and part of the soundtrack for a movie for Warner Brothers, and True Stories was the name of that. And John Goodman's in that film. John Goodman. Did, did you get to meet no. John Goodman? No, we were cut in together between me and Pop Staples and John Goodman and, and David, and, and it was just all like cut, 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 cut to different locations, and then they had us on stage doing this crazy yodeling thing that was part of a celebration of specialness so that was the conceit there so that was it was fun it was a fun time and now we have the pleasure of having another special performance from you which is at the abraham lincoln presidential library museum you you're an artist there so can you kind of tell us what you do there well i've been doing ghost of the library since 2000 late 2004 i'm about 15,000 performances into that wow it's a that's nine a minute, lot it's a nine minute monologue and we were doing it more than 16 times a day and now it's it's a little less maybe 12 14 times a day and um so you you got to bear down and just 
push right through it. It's like it's like vaudeville used to be. You know, I mean, you know, you you do your two or three shows and move on to the next town. That's how it is. And and it's always the same nine or ten minutes. So I've been doing that, and then they allowed me to do music in the plaza. Well, I did it in Mrs. Lincoln's attic. They stuck me in the attic, which, oh, is, no. which is appropriate. No, I, oh, should okay. be, I should be locked in the attic. <laughs> that was a good place to uh, woodshed and get, it, get the repertoire up. So now i got to, well, I don't know, I do like 60 or 70 songs now from the 1820s to like the 1920s in the plaza two, three times a week. And I'm doing a show with Reggie Guyton called Small Beginnings, and it's Robert Small's story, stealing a ship and escaping slavery. And he and I are doing that. I'm doing the music on a, a mountain dulcimer. And in a, they're opening an exhibit. They needed a soundtrack. So I said, well, I, I've done soundtracks and started composing. So I composed about 50, 50 minutes of music for the exhibit that's going to be going up in the in the Illinois Gallery. Wow. You do a lot. So let me just say thank you so much for coming in here today on Community Voices so we can learn about you and your life. And, and thank you for bringing us so much music to Central Illinois. Thanks, Vanessa. It's been a pleasure. To listen to past Community Voices segments, visit nprillinois.org. Community Voices airs weekdays at noon and Saturdays at 5 p.m. Production assistance is provided by the Community Voices team. Randy Eccles, Vanessa Ferguson, and Tim Bowl. I'm B. Bonner. Thanks for listening, and good afternoon. I'll sing you sweet love songs, honey, all of the time. If you'll only be that pretty mama of mine. And now I ain't got nobody, nobody cares for me. I'll sing you sweet love songs, honey, all of the time. If you'll only be that pretty mama of mine. And now I ain't got nobody. Nobody cares for me. <laughs>